Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Sunday evening. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. Appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our service men out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at College Corner. CollegeCorner.com. That's the place to get maroon and white merchandise. Whatever you're looking for, for yourself, for your house, for your car, for your tailgate, they've got it taken care of at College Corner. And guys, Christmas is coming up. You're already seeing stuff on the internet that Christmas uh, shopping, there could be some delays. I would not hesitate. Go ahead, get the MSU merchandise you know you want for your family this holiday season. Get it at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco, that place was packed on Saturday as uh, the Cameron James and Logan Tanner were up in there getting autographs. Uh, and they that place was packed not only for that, but it's packed because it's got great Mexican food, the best in town. And Mexican food, like, you can't get anywhere else. Get away from the same old, same old, the fajita plate and the uh, the, the nacho supremo. Go, come try something different, something new, something unique, and something you'll never have anywhere else. It's at Humble Taco, Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant on University Drive. You know, I, I've tried to go to Two Brothers on mm. Saturday. Yeah. It was slam pack. Two-hour wait. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's how many people were there. There were people standing outside waiting for people to leave. Um, so me and my buddy said, let's go to Humble Taco. That's another Thunder and yeah. Lightning sponsor. I wanted some smoked wings. I haven't had their smoked you wings. You had them finally, yeah. I had them. They and, were delicious. Yeah, they're great. Um, and great atmosphere. We watched uh, We watched the Auburn and Arkansas game. Yeah. We watched the Florida LSU game. Just a really unique atmosphere in there and great food, too. We need to set up a Thunder and Lightning wing competition between all the restaurants in town. We should. Because I would put Humble Taco and Two Brothers up against just about anybody. Yeah, I would, too. I would, too. All right. You all know what happened. Mississippi State falls to Alabama for the 14th straight time. 49-9 to is the final score of that game. Nothing really positive to take from it. But at the same time, maybe you shouldn't take anything from it. I don't know the answer to that. We'll talk about it here on the show. But before we do that, before we go any further, one man knows what we need to hear. And he's going to talk about it. Right this second. So without any further ado, tell them, Falk. Well, Brian, I saw this movie play out at Davis Wade Stadium 15 straight years almost. I I, I have seen this movie more than I've seen The Dark Knight. (laughs) I mean, we all have seen this movie. Mississippi State plays solid defense in the first half. They can't really do anything on offense. And then the game really kind of gets away from them in the second half. I think this game was more of a product of Mississippi State looking at the team across from them than anything else. I really do. And I don't know how much we can take away from this, Brian. I, I've seen a lot of people coming back today and talking about how Will Rogers can't run this offense. We're doing that again. And I really think that this is more of a product of 
Alabama versus Mississippi State and the mindset that the players came into the ballgame. Jet Johnson even admitted it in postgame that they were looking at the jersey and they were a little intimidated by that, and maybe not even a little. Uh, Will Rogers did not have a great game, and he got hurt in the game. Uh, has a sprained AC joint from what I've been told, uh, which is something that he believes he can play through. Uh, but was not on uh, the same terms with his wide receivers. They looked like they were confused at times. He made three huge mistakes with the interceptions. The first two were, were ginormous. You're driving down the field in the first possession, got a chance to get points, get the upper hand. You got, I think, four first downs in the first five plays or something like They're that. They're moving it. Um, and then made a bad decision, threw an interception on the sidelines. Couple possession late possessions later, throws another interception. That's a pick six. They scored two touchdowns on those two interceptions. I mean that that is a killer thing to do early in the ball game against Alabama. And when you do that, the game's over. The game is over. That you have one window of opportunity against Alabama, and it's early on in a ball game. If you can get the upper hand early in the ball game and stay in the fight, you got a chance. If you don't, you're done. We've seen it time and time again. We saw the 2014 team do the same thing. They got behind, I think, 19 to nothing in that ball game, and that was one of the best Mississippi State teams of all time. They couldn't come back. They they made they they made a valiant effort, but it was over. Once you dig that hole, you're not getting out of it. And uh, that's what happened to Mississippi State on Saturday, and they lost their 14th straight game. We've we've seen this play out almost the exact same way every year. Mississippi State's played Alabama with the exception of maybe like two times. Um, and, again, I don't know what you can really fully take away from this game moving forward. If you're Mississippi State, you throw this game in the trash can and you say we have six games or whatever it is left on the schedule, we can win every single one of these ball games if we play our best. That's what you do if you're Mississippi State. you got a chance to close really strong here down the stretch. We all picked Mississippi State to lose this game. It didn't matter if it was 40 points or 17. We picked Mississippi State to lose this game. We thought this was going to happen. My opinion on this team has not changed. Now you got to throw this ball game in the trash can and move ahead. I think that's exactly the way they, they have to look at it. I, you know, don't even watch the tape. <clears throat> Just move on. And, and you know, go back to what you did with Texas A&M and what worked against LSU and what worked against Memphis and the previous games. This game, nothing worked. So, what can you glean from it? Yeah, um, not not a whole lot, in my opinion. So, I think you're you're exactly right uh, in terms of what they need to to do with this game. They just got to get rid of it. And listen, at the end of the day, we have to look at history to 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 talk about this game too. This game and and every game that Mississippi State plays Alabama really proves that stars matter. I mean, when the guys got in the open field yesterday, they were scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the difference between a five-star and a three-star is very large. And I know people don't want to hear that. I know people want to talk about the Dak Prescotts and the and the Tavez Calhouns and guys like that that have been three-stars or two-stars, Preston Smiths, that have come up and developed into great players. But at the end of the day, the team that has – all the five stars and the four stars beats the teams that have all the three stars every time. Yeah, you can get uh, close. You can get and A and M. They won last week, but they, they have, have a top stars. ten roster. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just 
that's the reality of the situation. Alabama loses one game every year, maybe two, and the games that they usually lose are against teams that are talented enough to overcome some mistakes. Mississippi State is not a team that can overcome those mistakes. They just can't. And that's, like I said, it's a harsh reality sometimes. People don't want to talk about that. But at the end of the day, Mississippi State has to play near perfect to beat a team like Alabama, and they did not, and that's why they lost by 40 points. And it's just, and you're right about one thing, people don't want to accept that. They don't want to accept that five stars matter uh, and that stars you know, in and of themselves matter. Alabama, in their last three recruiting classes, has signed, let me get out here, 13, 14, 14 five-star players. In Mississippi State, I, I guarantee One. you, does not have that many ever. Oh, no, not even ever. Combined. Not even ever. Combined. Yeah. yeah. They have one, one five-star on the, on on the, the roster. roster. It's Charles That's Cross. just, I mean, you have no... There, there's just no way to get around that. The, then, you, you can win these games, but you've got to play perfect. Yeah. Well, I, and that goes back to what we, I, you weren't here, but that was the first podcast last week of State had to play an absolutely perfect game and hope that Alabama did not play perfect. Because yeah. if they both played perfect, the margin of victory would not have been that dissimilar than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama didn't play its best game. They missed some. They missed some opportunities. They had a couple of penalties here and there. So when you when you recruit um, talent like that and you hang your hat on development and things like that, you can't miss a beat. Right. You've got to, I mean, Dan Mullen for all the credit that he gets was averaging what seven wins a season. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I know we like to prop him up and talk about how great he was at Mississippi State, but well, at the, the end ceiling. of the day, it, he had a great season in 2014 because all the stars aligned for that team. Right. Everybody was developed. They were yeah. all juniors, seniors. I'll say it again, and I, I, I believe this more than anything else. In a five-year cycle for Mississippi State, you should have three years where you're a solid 7-8 win team. You have one year, or maybe you got to take a little step back to six, maybe even five, and then you have that one year where you are fantastic and you can win ten games. State did that under Mullen. The first, his second year was that year in the cycle. Everything sort of worked together. They won nine games. It happened again in fourteen. You won not ten games. The fifteen team is not a great football team. Dak Prescott drove them to nine wins. You missed the cycle in 18. That yep. should have been a 10-win team. That was your 2014. Right. That, that team was set to do that, and because of the coaching change and everything else, you don't have it. That's the, that, that is the absolute pinnacle ceiling for Mississippi State. Oh, you're going to get some. I, I don't care. Some people are going to be so mad to hear that. I don't care to hear it. Unless, something, unless there is some sort of paradigm shift that, shout out to John Moxley, that Mississippi State becomes a year-in, year-out, top-ten recruiting program. National championships can't happen. They can't happen. The blue chips index is undefeated. Yeah. So I was I was running on that same train. Exactly. But I mean, yeah. look at them. I mean, they, and just they lost, lost Purdue. To Purdue. Yesterday. They can't we'll talk overcome. More about Iowa. They've got to play their system and play perfect. Yeah. To be a national championship contender. Iowa and Mississippi State are sort of similar in the same thing. They're not good enough against anybody, maybe outside of the FCS schools, to just show up and win. Right. They've got to play their game. They've got to at least play a a pretty good game. State could go lose to Vanderbilt Saturday. They could. Yes. There's there's a path to that if State plays poorly. 
Now, if they play well, they'll win. They'll win easily. But if they there's nobody except for Tennessee State that they can on just the show schedule. up on because they haven't they haven't blown anybody no, out. Not going to. So. You know. All right, let's uh, move on into some other parts of the show here. Let's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council. Don't forget, as the weather is cooling off, and man, it is fantastic weather out there today. Uh, that beef is what's for dinner. Go to msbeef.org for great ideas for recipes for your family, whether you're looking for a soup, a stew, something for grilling, or a special occasion or holiday meal. They've got everything you're looking for there. And, guys, don't forget how big of a deal beef is in the state of Mississippi. Nearly 15, over 15,000 producers are, are in our state alone. That's a value of cattle production of almost a half billion Dollars. So when you head to the grocery store, when you head to the uh, the restaurants here in town or wherever it is you live, grab a steak, grab a burger, grab some lean beef, enjoy it. It's good for you, and it tastes great as well. Beef, it is what's for dinner. Two brothers, I mean, Robbie just told you. That, I mean, it's, a, it's a madhouse in there. It was nuts. It's like, it's like, it's like Studio 54 back in the day, but with wings. <laughs> you got to get there early, folks. Well, I'm telling you to do it now. Next time you're in Starkville, make sure that Two Brothers Smoked Meats is on the schedule for you. Get in there, grab a table, enjoy yourself. Such a great spot right there in the heart of the Cotton District. And the food, man, it's just the best. Anytime you want to do that, it's good for you. And don't forget, if you're going to be tailgating for the Kentucky game, they can take care of you. Email them at twobrothersstarkville at gmail.com up to the Wednesday of game week and place your order. They've got a lot of great stuff. All their wings, sandwiches, sliders, and even ribs. Slabs of ribs available when you uh, use their tailgating menu. Advantage Business Systems has got a two-way plan to take care of your business. First and foremost, they're going to offer you an incredible selection of products and services, everything your business needs to thrive and to survive in today's world, in these uncertain times. Times are very uncertain, they tell me. They are. Yes. They've been saying that my whole life. Well, it's, it's, it's since you were born. Yes. It's because of me. It's because of you. I've made things you, you, you have You have shifted the balance. Uh, also, though, Advantage Business Systems provides the best kind of customer service, the kind you would get when you were dealing with your next-door neighbor. That's what Advantage Business Systems is. That, that's what they are. They are your next-door neighbor. They're a Mississippi business, first and foremost, and have been for 46 years. Why don't you call them today and find out what they can do for you? That number is 601 362 9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Monday means one thing. Well, actually, it means a bunch of things, usually. And it means these are the things that are true. We've got 10 of them this week. Let us begin. Number one is probably the most, to me, is very, very important. What are you laughing at? <laughs> your GIF. Which one? That's a to sock. Oh. That's the ultimate sock, Jeff. It's Junior Soprano. <laughs> what is he a, singing the national anthem for? That guy's a great singer. <laughs> I, I heard him in the Sopranos yeah, yeah. whenever he sang at the he's, funeral. He's on albums. That's incredible. So I got I love Junior his Soprano. Goatee. Goatee looks like Stone Cold at age at 70. At a Phillies game, the Jeff has the fanatic, and it has the American flag. <laughs> Salute to the sock. All right, number one. Just no. no, no, don't do that. <laughs> State's record is what we thought it would be after six games, isn't it? Didn't you think this team was going to be three and three at this point? I thought that was entirely possible. I mean, you thought, okay, they'll lose to Bama, they'll lose to A&M, and they'll lose one of NC State or LSU. That's what most people thought. Maybe some people thought four and two. Maybe some. 
Yeah, that that was kind of like the average three and three thought process. It's just the way that I you know it. LSU's transpired and the Memphis loss. I mean, think about how crazy things would be right now if State was five and one. Yeah, golly, I mean five and one, and you have all these games down the stretch here that At you can five and one, win. even losing forty nine to nine. You're still like, well, who cares? Yeah, right. You know, I mean, but but you're not. But it, that said, three you, you and can't three. change that. But at the end of the day, you're right. They are about where everybody thought they would be. Exactly. So I, you know, and, I, and to be honest with you, just the reaction for the fans and stuff. I think people understand that. I don't, well, I don't I, think I, people have been too unreasonable. No. After this game, well, I think I, people do number understand. two though. But I number two is I get the frustration surrounding this particular game. Yeah, and you're right to have that frustration. The state has now lost 14 straight to Alabama. Nobody in the West has a longer streak other than Arkansas. Arkansas has, I think, a 15 game losing streak to Alabama. Um, Most of them have not been close. Right, but same same in this. It's frustrating when you see Ole Miss last year competitive. Auburn, A and M, LSU have all beaten Alabama in this in the last 14 years. Teams are able to move the football on Alabama, except, but Mississippi State, for whatever reason, just can't do it. 11 of the 14 losses, State has been in single digits. Uh, State, if you combined their points from 2015 to last night, the game would have been tied at the end of regulation. They have had, they've scored 49 points on Alabama since 2015, and 24 of that was in one game. Well, it, you know, it's it's... One thing for one team and another thing for another. Ole Miss gave up almost every possible yard Alabama could gain last year. I get that, but... Joe Moorhead stopped one of the great offenses of all time with yeah. with that I, defense I get, of 2018. It's, so, just, I mean, it's just frustrating to... But that game wasn't competitive. The Ole Miss game last year with them... They I, still lost by two or three touchdowns, though. They lost by 15. They lost 63 Yeah, two touchdowns. I get that. But that game in the fourth quarter, I think it was tied. That's just I, perception, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, but it's, I get for that. One team, it's, for one team, it's the offense can't move the ball. For the other team, they can't well, stop them. One thing I always say is if you can't win, at least be entertaining. But they lost. They still lost. But that, what does but it matter? Because what you just said, perception. The perception is, wow, Ole Miss, if they were just any good on defense, whereas with State, it's just If like, they were just any good on offense. They I mean, still have 24 points. It's 24 nothing. It's, fr- I mean, it's a lot more frustrating to watch football when you can't move the football than it is when you can't stop somebody, in my opinion. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. But at the end of the day, the result's the same. I'm just one of those people that's – the end result is all that I, really matters I get what to you're me. Saying, but I, I don't really the perception thing doesn't really resonate with me. But I understand why it does with well, you just, and others. I do understand it's just, that. It's just it's just not fun to watch. And it's that's, not. That's it's not of, at all. A lot of message board talk on a Sunday is about that. About how you know th- at the end of the day, this is an entertainment product, yeah. and you can sit there and say, well, you know, it's more than that. Well, it may very well be to you, but you come to the games to have fun. And win or lose, it's no fun to watch your team not be able to move the football. No, you're exactly right Especially about that. Especially in 2021. This is not 1963. You're exactly right about that. Mike Leach, the reality is Mike Leach has beaten more teams in the top 25 mm-hmm. and has had more impressive wins than Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. But nobody's talking about Mike Leach right now. They're all talking about right. number 11 Ole Miss. Yeah, is that where you have uh, and that's where I have them this week. Yeah. Is number eleven, and I'm falling into the same thing. Their their offense is way more exciting. Their defense stinks, but it's not as bad as it was last they year. So they can last night. they can get off the field, and that's what they got some stops last night. 
they, they were all falling down every play and uh, faking injuries, but that's that's okay. Whatever works. Um, but yes, you're exactly right. The perception does matter nationally, uh, and I think that that's 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 pretty interesting when you think about it. I put the numbers out a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach has as many top twenty-five wins as any of those coaches that were hired. Right. But nobody really – nobody – it's kind it's, of a boring product right it's now. Also, and he has the bad losses. Like, yeah, he does. Like – You can't lose to Memphis. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you know, can't lose 24-2. Yeah. And you can't lose games like that. Again, especially can, when you're a coach. You can't get shut out against Alabama last year. known as an offensive mastermind. and you, you got to show that. So It's just strange to me. You know, th- these Alabama defenses are not – like the 2012 Alabama no, defense. No, 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 no. These defenses you can move the ball on, yeah. but this team still cannot score on them. They they couldn't score in 2019, in 2018, in 2020, or 2021. They've scored one touchdown, I think, since 2017 when they scored yeah. three TDs or they whatever scored, it was. In, they scored in 2019. I think Tommy Stevens snuck it in. That's Kylan Hill, I think. Oh, Kylan Hill scored? Okay. Yeah, in the that, first quarter. That's it. That was the last time. They, they were, were down like 14 they nothing. Colin Hill scored. They were shut out in 20, and they scored three field goals last night. Yes. So. Uh, and it's it's painful to watch Mississippi State's offense against Alabama's defense. Yeah. But this was, the, this was probably the easiest they've moved the ball against Alabama other than 2017 in a long time. Yeah. They were moving the ball down the field. They got in the red zone. They just couldn't score inside the red zone. They had to kick field goals, yeah. uh, but you know Dan Mullen had trouble sometimes, you know, getting first downs against yeah. Alabama. But those are different different defenses. It's just this defense is, these defenses are not that not as great. Good. Yeah, but even like 2016 when they went over there, I mean that was a bad team and they lost 55 to three and they couldn't do anything. Oh, that was that was, was brutal. a miserable game. I'll never forget it. Early in the day too, sort sort of the same along the same line here. Mississippi State, the lack of big plays for Mississippi State is what kills everything. What are you talking about? They had a 49-yard pass yesterday. 43. Oh, That's the longest play of the season. So I did the, the research here. So if I'm doing looking at this right, and I'm pretty sure I am, State has, on the season, uh, four plays over 30 yards. Nice. No and and no runs over four, 30 yards. No, no, those are not coming. No, you're gonna have to have a complete there coverage are, breakdown for that to happen. There are teams that get four plays of thirty yards in a half. And yeah, we're six just, games in, and state has four. It's just not what this offense is, especially when you're, that a lot doesn't of times make any sense whatsoever. It doesn't, but that's just that's kind of what because it is. You're though. talking about you can't even get lucky and have a guy miss a tackle, and you get free for a thirty yard gain. It's happened, and, and, and look. If I let me see if I can remember them. But that's why these Polk d- and Heath, both of those were long throws that got caught. Yes, Jameer Calvin's was a run, a, a catch and run, right? Uh, I don't even remember. Are you talking about the touchdown? Well, it's a forty yard play, oh, so it couldn't have against, been against. Uh, was it against A and M? Was that a forty yard play? That's no, it was it was somebody else. It was LSU, maybe. Well, that was a that was a uh, that was a tunnel screen. It was a catch and run. Yeah, yeah. So that's one. And then Austin Williams, I don't remember his thirty four yard catch, but I assume it was I remember the, that he caught it over the middle and got some yardage. Was that the? Did he fumble on that play? I don't remember. I think he did. State's top three receivers, Polk, Marks, and Johnson, are all averaging less than ten yards a catch. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, though, that's. They're seeing zone yeah. defense, and that's kind of what this offense is against his zone defense. 
And that's just what that's we we this is nothing new. This is what you expect from this offense when they're facing the three down linemen and the drop eight. Well, that's, that's a that's a problem then. If why? A, why are you just now realizing I, 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 this? I'm not. not that I'm, this not, has been something that's been talked that about just for now. Two years. Realizing it, I'm just saying that when you look at it from that point, and you're saying, "Let me in in six games, you've only got four plays of thirty yards or more." When everybody else in the SEC outside of Vanderbilt is getting explosive plays every game, that's that's tough. How do you expect to win? Well, you expect to win when you finish inside the red zone. That's they're not doing they can't that. Can't do that. And then, like we've said before, as soon as this offense gets off schedule, it's over. And they had a couple of, a couple of plays last night where they were able to overcome second and long. But for the most part, when it's second and long, you can just go ahead and punt. But I, 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 I disagree that you can't win games like this. I just think the execution has to be precise. You don't get to you don't get to make mistakes. Right. Just like you said. Well, Holding you know penalty on Scott Lashley, uh, false start on Scott Lashley. That drive. Let me let me move up one of my things then, because it, it addresses what you're saying. I, it, it was this was number nine, but state isn't good enough to just show up and win the game. They have to play their best every game, and that can wear you down. It is. I mean, if you're playing that huddle and you're like, if I make a mistake, the possession is over. There is no, look, I know it's 2nd and 15, but we've got the guys to overcome this. It's 2nd and 15, and all right, let's get punt team ready. Well, this this offense to me is very similar to a like wing tee. Mm-hmm. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, You are invested in this offense. You run plays over and over and over to where it's just you know common nature, and it's a culture. You cannot just implement this offense right away like a spread offense and expect results to be through the roof. When everybody buys in, you don't have that mindset that you're talking about. That that mindset disappears. You have a you 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 don't have rear view mirror mindset. You just look straight ahead and you run your plays. What it can do conversely to what you're talking about is where a defense like the Texas A&M game that's when you start to see this offense become really effective. What they were able to do against Texas A&M it gets demoralizing when you're throwing across the middle and and constantly moving the chains every two or three plays, mm-hmm. and the defense feels like they can't get off the field, right. and then they switch to the to a man, mm-hmm. and then boom, Will Rogers can beat you with the twenty yard pass. That's where the offense can really get you. It, but it can be a very frustrating offense to watch. Mm-hmm. It's not an offense predicated on big plays. It's an offense predicated on what you get from the defense. And if Will Rogers is and the wide receivers are effectively doing their job in this offense, it wears a defense down mentally and physically as opposed to wearing an offense down because they think they can't get the job done. So if the offense is being run effective, it works. But there's very little margin for error there. And we saw it on Saturday when Will Rogers makes a couple mistakes, when the offensive line makes a couple mistakes. You have to be a wheel continuously turning. When you look at his last team at Washington State, 8.4 yards per attempt. This team is averaging uh, 6.4. So it's two. that's two yards. It doesn't sound like a lot, but when you throw it 60 times a game, that's 120 yards of offense. That's a lot of offense. That's that's two trips down the field, basically. That's two touchdowns. No. That's how you have to look at that. So this offense, you know, his last year you had guys averaging 11.4, 14.2, 13.1, 10. Everybody was over 10 yards per catch, 
except for the the running back, who was at 6.9. Nice. This year, 9.2, 5.3. Nobody's averaging more. Nobody with more than 13 receptions is averaging more than 11.2 a catch. Yeah. I mean, you need somebody who's averaging 14, 15 a catch in here. Somebody yeah. you can just trust to throw the ball up to. Who who who's the leading receiver? Uh, Williams or Jaden Wally? As far as uh, yards, yards per catch, Malik Heath. Really? Yeah. And he's averaging and like night, two catches helped, a game. Last night probably helped him. He's actually averaging uh, just under four catches a game. Okay. But I mean, nobody outside of Wally and the running backs is averaging much more than that. The the outside, it goes Polk. I'm sorry, not not Wally Polk. Polk is at 53. Marks is at 45. Johnson is at 33. The next receiver is Austin Williams at 26, so he's mm-hmm. just over four catches a game. Wally's at four catches a game. Heath is just below that. Calvin is averaging uh, just under three catches a game, and then you go to Christian Ford and Ra Thomas and those guys. So they've got to find some explosive plays. They have to find a way to do it. So we're gonna we're gonna stay on that theme in just a second here. When I say that, uh, oh, well, let's go, let's go to this next number four. I really don't understand keeping Will Rogers in the game past thirty-five to nine. Yeah, it was probably time to get twenty-eight-nine. You're like, okay, if we can get a touchdown here, we're only down twelve. We can get back in it at thirty-five-nine, and he's already been sort of banged up in the game. Why is why is he still in the game? Yeah, I thought it was time for him, especially to come the way they're, they're they're rushing the passer. They're getting at, what what purpose is being served here? Yeah. So. If if you just got to bring Chance Levertich in and just let him hand the ball off, I don't I don't care. But I, I didn't get that decision. That's one I can't you can't you can't jibe it with me. You know, nothing you say is gonna. I mean, I'm not saying you're. No, I'm not gonna argue. You are that. agreeing with me, but I'm not gonna argue that. If somebody wants to argue with me on that, I, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna change my mind. Yeah, he probably needed to come out. He had been yeah. popped a few times. He had that injury, and you can't. Why are you taking that risk? That guy, if, if he and you also have to get Chance Lovertich ready if he has an opportunity to come in there. Yeah. Which I mean, like I'm not saying to put Greek or put Robertson in there and let Alabama just wreck them. Yeah, but Lovertich you can put in there. I mean, he's seen that stuff before. He'll be all right. So and again, I, though, we, I mean, again, we have people clamoring for these freshmen to get in the game. Like, it's just not going like, to happen. Why don't they put Robertson? I'm like, they're not putting the fourth string guy in there, or the well, third string guy in there. First of all, he's not ready. Obviously, yeah. And secondly. Mike Leach has never done this. Last year was the first time he played a true freshman. And he had to. He didn't have He had choice. no choice. Unless unless everybody ahead of Sawyer Robertson gets injured, he's not going in the game. Right. He's just not going to do it. Yeah. And uh, I get that side of things for Mike Leach because I've seen this from coaches before talking to coaches in the past. You can wreck a freshman. You can wreck them. You can kill their spirit by throwing them in the ball game if they have if they don't have success. It ha- it's happened a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And that's his his mindset. I already I can already tell you what it is. I don't want to ruin this kid. Mm-hmm. Let's bring him along slowly and have him ready for when his opportunity comes, but let, we're not going to throw him in the ball game. And that's what he did last year when we were with Will Rogers until it was absolutely time for him to go in. He didn't put him in the game. And and Will is kind of a different bird than a lot of these other guys. I think he can handle that a little better. Uh, I think he was kind of he was he was a competitor. He was ready for that challenge. Uh, I don't know what Sawyer's personality is, uh, and if he can handle that yet. But he's obviously not ready to step in because he's been running with the fourth team. Absolutely. So we we need to just kill that that dream for this season. It's not going to happen. Yeah, this isn't like when uh 
when you know Fitz, people Fitzgerald would struggle, people would say bring in Keaton. This is totally different, and 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 and, but people don't seem to understand that at the same time. So, yeah, it's just going to continue to. I mean, there's nothing we can say. Uh, number five, you know, when we we when Mike Leach was hired, there was just so much about all oh, this offense. It's so uh, it's so simple. It's so simple. I feel like, and I guess this is the thing here. It makes this offense makes the simple things complicated. And what do I mean by that is this. It's just about getting the ball into your playmakers' hands. Who are your playmakers? Okay, get them the ball. Tulu Griffin, Jaden Wally, Marks and Johnson to a certain But they, they have they struggle doing it. The Tulu yeah, Griffin, it's not it's not about the offense, it's about who's running it. That's the Will Rogers Mike Leach is not using a remote have, control to control to who's throwing way, the ball. You've got to find ways. You've got to find ways. You've got to call plays that get the ball into these guys' hands. But Griffin, especially, I've said a couple weeks ago. I think they should move him to running back. I think that would be a tremendous mistake. And this offense, what, what's it? Where's he going to go? What do you mean? How's he going to get out of the backfield? Is he is he that much smaller than to, than Jaquavius Marks? I don't think he has the power of Jaquavius Marks to break tackles or anything like that. And I just we're seeing to, him get hit the line of scrimmage. I want to see. I mean, I see Jaquavius Mark. I want. I don't want. I don't want Tulu to be in the backfield in this offense. I want him in space somewhere. Well, I, th- I don't want him trying to break tackles Marks from a three hundred twenty-five pound defensive Marks tackle. Marks and Johnson have seventy-eight receptions between them, catching balls out of the backfield. And how many yards per catch? Five and a half. Exactly. So that's my. So point. get him out in space, ten yards down the field, and not swing well, pass in the back. How many times have we these swing passers like throw it now? But that's not. It's not going to happen. So you're saying so that if this if it's not going right, to happen, right, right, then get him in space where he is right now. He just needs the ball more. I'm trying to devise a way to get the ball to him that doesn't involve him having to, you know, have Will Rogers having to throw it 20 yards down the field. I would rather him throw it eight to ten yards down the field than a swing pass with a guy that. standing right there in front of him. I would rather Tulu Griffin touch the ball ten to fifteen times a game. And I just don't I, I'm think do whatever the, I got to do to get there. I just don't think in this offense, running back is the is efficient I mean, enough for him. to – Can they not run a jet sweep with the guy? They're if, not going to do it. I know they're not, but they could. Then, yeah. then what you have here is a coach that, as I like to say all the time, would rather lose his way than win somebody else's. I, and that's just the Cardinals. The guy across the field will do what he'll he'll change anything. Well, yeah, that's why he's won seven national championships, right. and Mike Leach has had what two ten win seasons. I mean, it's just not. Why gonna is that? Why why don't coaches? This drives me insane. Why don't coaches say, "Look, that guy's the best. Why don't we do everything like him?" The ego uh, of coaches is incredible. It really is. I mean, it, it really is. You're not gonna, and that's why I say, like everybody's say talking about these changes for Mike Leach, get an offensive coordinator. Uh, Chain, run the ball more, tighten up the splits, things like that. This is year 19, I think. He He's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So your offense is what it is, so you just – we need to talk about the things that are actually going to happen that can possibly happen for Mississippi State, not the fairy tales that, that we try to make up. This is not going to happen. You're so mean. I'm not mean. <laughs> what I mean? I'm just saying. I, I I'm just telling you. In my opinion, it just isn't as complicated to get the ball into guys' hands in certain areas. There's got to be some sort of you know. 
Like, because like I said, with these swing passes, we watch them every game. And from the snap, as soon as they leak out, they're open and they could do some things. Somebody's just got to tell Rodgers, that's your first read. Yeah, there, there should be play calls, <clears throat> for example, against Memphis. I feel like they, I feel like Mike Leach or somebody said, right here, throw the ball down the field to, to Makai Polk. Yeah. He snapped the ball, took two steps, and chunked it down the field immediately. There's got to be some play calls like we're running a screen pass right here. Yeah. You recognize the defense before the or, before the play. If you see somebody not, on the on the edge, it's not even that. It's we're going to run the normal play, but your first read is the swing. Yeah, and and, and if if somebody's covering that, pump it and go deep. Yeah, because the pump fake seems to to yeah. work. I've seen and you, you can do, do it. it. You can do it quickly that way. You're just like not open. Pump go. Yes, but yeah, the 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 dump off with somebody standing right in the Jaquavis one last Martin. night where he throws to Marks six yards behind the line of scrimmage with a linebacker standing there. I, I, don't, I couldn't believe he didn't get picked off. The guy was just happy to make the tackle, I guess. But yeah. I was like, I've never seen – like, he looks over there, Marks is covered, and he still throws it to him six yards behind the line. Like, what do you, what do you expect to happen? Uh, this, I guess, is number seven because I, I brought number nine up. Uh, I don't begrudge Zach Arnett's <laughs> aggressiveness. You're going to lose either way. Yeah. You might as well swing. Well, it's like what um, Jet Johnson. I think it was Jet. It was either Jet or Nate Watson said they saw that A and M had some success mm-hmm. putting pressure on him. And I, I, I'm same way. You either blitz him and try to make him make a mistake, or you send three guys and trust your guys to cover three five star or whatever they are recruits. Mm-hmm. Um, and good luck there. So basically, Zach Arnett said, "I'm going to take my chances here. I've got two really good cornerbacks." Hope they can cover those guys one on one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make Bryce Young make a mistake, mm-hmm. and Don't it didn't happen. It. I didn't have a problem they with just it. Didn't either. get home. Um, and, and you know Martin Emerson had a tough time against Mechie last night, yeah. and against Williams, and against Williams. Those are guys too. Are, are good players, but we haven't noticed Martin Emerson all season long because he's been doing his job. Yeah, and I I can't blame him. He was out there on an the island long, against a great the great long wide touchdown's receiver. not his fault. <clears throat> he makes gives up the catch. He forces him back inside. Williams just outruns the entire. Yeah, that's defense. just a great. That's just, just a, a great, great player. Play. Nothing you can do. And, and I feel like we're missing that. I've mentioned it earlier in the show. I feel like at some point we got to give some credit to Alabama's players too. Yes. I mean, State did not play well, mm-hmm. but some of these plays you just tip your hat. I mean, nothing you can do. That's a great quarterback making yeah. a great play and a great this wide is receiver. Why, doing this the same is where thing. Alabama having that fleet of analysts pays off. They were able because I mean it's not a coincidence that every time State blitz they had the right play dialed up. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. When I see Alabama football play, mm-hmm. I just want to walk up to Brad Bohannon and laugh in his face. Yeah, don't ever talk to anybody about somebody having more resources than somebody else. Yeah, please. Yeah, just don't do it. And by the way, what is there to do in Tuscaloosa other than go to a football? Now you're game? going down another I, thing. I just I'm I'm not gonna rant on that, but. I mean, it's not like Tuscaloosa is Los about the Angeles. Two Alabama equipment guys who uh, who gave me trouble last night. What? You didn't hear about that? No. So you know, I always duck over to the visitors' coaching box after the show, after yeah. the game, to yeah. do my post game show. Four. This is the fourth home game, right? Mm-hmm. The previous three, it's just been like, yeah, no problem. We'll work around you. If we need you to move, we'll tell you to move. Alabama guys are like, no, you can't be in here. We don't have enough room. You're just gonna have to wait. What were they doing? Just putting the headsets up. They're putting their headsets up. up. Like we got a bus to catch, we can we can't we got to get on the bus. I'm like, 
And you know who's doing it? It's these, it's, 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 it's this old guy and his grandpa. It's like this one dude his had to be grandpa. 80. They've been with Alabama football since the Bayer Bryant. And I was just like. <clears throat> they gave these guys I basically a job. told them what I thought of them. And I was like, whatever. It's like you guys are the first ones to, A, take this long, and B, not say it was okay for me to sit down. Like, like you're not guarding state secrets in here. Nick Saban, I don't, he might not even know this guy's names. I, he probably couldn't pick him out of a lineup of two. All right. Number uh, eight. Brandon Ruiz's injury cost State two wins. Yeah, that dude's really good. He might be the most important player on the team. He's really good. He's really good. If State had had him for LSU, they would have won. Yep. And if State had had him for Memphis, Memphis. they would have won. Yep. Just simple as that. They missed a, They missed uh, two field goals against both, games, both those teams. Yeah. And that was huge. So, that's just a short but sweet one there. Number nine. Shout out to Brandon Ruiz and his sleeve and his uh, cross earrings. And, and his the, afro. And his swag. Uh, <clears throat> number nine. I'm sorry, number eight. Story of the season begins this week. You're three and three. It's the same as zero and zero. It's about what do you do in this final uh, six games. Whatever your record is, that's what your, that's what your season is. Three and three, well, you're in a bowl and you're in a bowl. Four and two, hey, you finished strong. Five and one, let's talk about how happy we are. Two and three, well, it's going to be real tough for Mike Leach in 2022. Yes. And, 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 and whatever I'm talking, whatever we're talking about on at the day after the Egg Bowl will be. It starts this week. What are you most conf- What games are you most confident in? Other than Tennessee State. Okay, let's 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 take out Vandy okay. and Tennessee State. Uh, the the games that are kind of toss ups that the winnable games for Mississippi State the four games Arkansas is a team that likes to run the football that sort of I know State didn't play good run defense last night but a lot of that was in the second second half where something we didn't really talk about is they they, they kind of gave up they they didn't really play hard the last twenty minutes of the game I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge anybody on with their effort because I don't know what I don't. I mean, I get that's, it. But that's an accusation. I get what you're, say- I get what you're saying, but at the that's same a strong time, accusation just, too. Just watch the game. Well, I just thought that the. I mean, they they were just beat down at that point. I think Peanut on our board made a good point. Maybe they were demoralized. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving up. Well, I mean, is that's hard. It's you, sort of the same thing. I'm just kind saying, of. But I'm giving up to me is just is just saying they quit. So d- there's a difference, I think, in quitting and well, just being. What does Nick damned. Saban always say? Make their ass quit. That's. I feel like he got he he sort of accomplished that watching okay. this game. That's... But regardless, I sort of lost track of where I was. Uh, but they like to run the football. Does Arkansas? That sort of plays in the state's hands a little bit. So that I, that might be one right now. Arkansas. I mean, they've lost three straight. Yeah. How are they going to come back from that? Yeah. That's the big question. Then Kentucky is probably two. Auburn. If the Bo Nicks that played Saturday shows up, state's got no chance. Yeah, he's played much better. The last, the last two games, two weeks. he's played really, really well. Um, and he and he he rocked Mississippi State two years ago yeah. at Auburn. Yeah. That, he plays pretty well there. Plays great at home, so that's going to be State tough. doesn't play well there. And then the Egg Bowl right now, I don't think State's going to win. I just, I mean, what's changed? Ole Miss has played a lot better than I thought they would. And Corral as a runner, that he rushed for 195 yards last night. I know. Yeah, he just decided he wasn't going to slide a whole lot, and he yeah, was going. He just, man, he took a lot of unnecessary hits. He did, but he they don't need to be running up. him like that. He got up. Yeah, but how many times can you do well, that? There's it all it I mean, takes I, is one good lick. I, I mean, but that's true of every quarterback. 
That's true. Yeah, but this is a guy that, that you really – I mean, the season lies on his arm. People on your board keep saying that this is the, they're the 2015 Mississippi State team, and there's something to that. That if if it would all collapse if Corral got hurt, they would be in real trouble. If but that, that said, as long as he's healthy, yeah, they're going to win games. Yeah, and they got a chance here down the stretch. That I don't look at their schedule and think that they're nope, going to they, lose to anybody. They're favored in every game the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, Auburn, I think, is an interesting game. Yeah. And it's on the road. Uh, A&M is an interesting game. That's in Oxford. Um, and a and is playing much better now. A&M they have defense. The and look, the other, the other side, State and Ole Miss are sort of the different sides of the same coin. Ole Miss and State could both <clears> win the rest of their games. They could lose some, too. Yeah. If LSU runs the football the way they did on Florida, on Ole Miss, they're going to win. If Auburn can run the football, they're going to win. If you can run the football successfully on Ole Miss, you can beat them. But then I think it should make you nervous if you're a state fan is the, the big plays that you give up. Yeah, that, Ole Miss can expose they will that explode, explode. Uh, in, the, in the secondary, so that, especially would, if you blitz. I would say Ole Miss is easily my, my number four confidence. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that, I think. So we'll see. Number 10, sort of a different tact here, but – State needs something positive on the recruiting front in the next couple of weeks. They need a commitment. It's been a while. Stone Blanton needs to get on board. Uh, I was reading about Quintel Jones. I don't quite understand the thought process there. Unless there's just unless you just misevaluated him at the beginning and now you're like, wait a minute, he's not that good. But I would just go ahead and get him in the boat. And if you got to readjust down the line, you got to readjust. I think he, I think he came on a visit. I think they were concerned with what they saw on the visit or something. I don't, I don't know. Well, but I, I agree with you. It's not like you have a ton of people you feel confident. You don't, you don't feel confident you're getting Travion Williams. I go or back to the Jaheim Otis. I think I go back to like April when that kid Josh White wanted to commit, and they held off on him because oh well, Travion Williams and Xavier Harris and Malachi Madison going to get all of them, and now you're not going to get any of those guys. Uh, Jaheim Otis and Travion Williams. I mean those. Williams has opened back up, but we'll have to see what happens there. I think it helps the news of Orgeron sort of helps there. But maybe he ends, you know, Ole Miss is going to put a press on him. I, I don't see State being able to flip a kid from Alabama. I just don't. Unless Alabama just comes out and says something that he doesn't like. It's going to be very difficult. So I think, it, I think it's confident. I, I think the confidence is, is higher that he continues to come over here on visits. That's true. That's something that's a little different. It is different. But um, but it's probably possible. It's like, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't count on that. You can't count on flipping him. You State, can't count on getting Trayvon Williams. State needs Blanton to get in the boat and start pulling guys into this class. They need that very badly, and, it, and it's just not happening. State needs somebody to to pull the trigger on a commitment in the next couple of weeks. Say what you want, you know. We're back back in the summer. Oh, it's only June. It's only July. It's two months to signing day. Two months. You got to you got to get the job done. Well. Recruiting, very important in the college football world. Very important. is the lifeblood of the program. But let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. All right, Coffee is for Closers is brought to you by our good friends over at Strange Brew Coffee House. Uh... Start your day there. Start your day the right way with Strange Brew Coffee House. Every time you go there, it's a great experience. The great drinks, great people, and one of our key local businesses here. <clears throat> Make sure you support them at Strange Brew Coffee House. I- I'm saying Will Rogers, no coffee. Pick the pick the bad time to play your worst game. Three picks. 
Uh, and I thought a lot of the sacks last night you can put on Will Rogers. He just he there were times he just held the ball too long. That clock's got to be going. You've got to know your. Never mind that it's against anybody, especially but when it, they were showing blitz. It's Alabama. You got to get rid of the football. You know. Yeah. Now I don't know if that's a play calling thing. If they're just like, look, we you know we're not they're not he- helping him out there, but something's got to give there. But to me, Will Rogers is the guy with no coffee on a Monday morning. In the SEC, we got sort of two, but we'll talk about one later. But for right now, ah, oh well. No coffee, huh? Well, hard to win. Hard to win. I was a Dunkin' Donuts guy anyway. I don't like, I don't like coffee anyways. I, I go to Dunkin'. Uh, yeah, Dan. Uh, if Chad Bumpus is listening, he's going to owe me lunch. Because he bet me that uh, Mullen won an SEC title within four years, and that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I try not to be a vindic- vindictive person. I try not to be too petty. But I'm going to really laugh when Scott Strickland has to fire Dan Mullen. I'm going to laugh pretty hard. They fired Jim McElwain after going to the SEC Championship twice. Two times. Mullen if you're not going one. to the SEC Championship game... Yeah. They, they are now 4-6 and six in their last 10. And that includes two group of five wins. You lost to Kentucky, mm-hmm. who you never lose to right. until you got there. Yeah, he's 2-2 two and two against students. Yeah. And you lost to an LSU team that just fired their coach after beating you. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. And, and, and what's his three losses this year, right? Yeah. So and he still got Georgia. That's an automatic so loss. They're going eight and four at best. At best. Yeah, they still. Have the, eight, they, I mean, they don't play anybody else that's really good. Yeah, they, they they still have Missouri and Florida State, and I think they have uh, they have somebody else in there. I, I mean, his claim to fame South this Carolina. his claim to fame this year is. He called a pretty good second half against Alabama and still lost. And still lost, yeah. He he got close to Alabama. So it's just, Dan, you're in trouble. You and, are. And this, this is what was inevitably going to happen to Dan Mullen when he went to Florida. He made this decision mm-hmm. when he went there. Yeah. Uh, you were still going to be, by Florida's standards, an average recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want top ten classes regularly. Yeah. You're not going to do that regularly. Five. Um, and you you were not going to beat Georgia regularly, which they want you to do. Yep. You're not going to get the SEC championship. You're still going to have the same issues you You're had at Mississippi eight, State. Win coach. Yeah, the same issues you have at Mississippi State for about two or three more wins, maybe three three or four more wins on average. And the fan base is not going to accept the things Mississippi State would. That's why I was surprised in the first place he went. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. He could have stayed at Mississippi State forever winning the way that he was, especially in 18 because he would have won 10 games. That would have reset all of the pr- the pressure on him. They might would have built a statue of Dan Mullen because yeah. he would have been the winningest coach here in 10 years, yeah. three more years before Jackie. But instead, you know, again, the ego of coaches. You know. uh, Look at Urban Meyer. Nationally, hey, he got a win today. Didn't Urban, wasn't Urban Meyer Dan Mullen's boss? Yeah, imagine that. He must have learned something from him. Yeah. Uh, nationally, how can it not be Iowa? Shout out to Robbie Donahoe. His Purdue Boiler, Boilermakers just dominate the number two team. and They weren't the number two team at any point. The Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes. And again, they were intercepting 7% of the passes thrown at them. That is a huge number. You can't, that's not sustainable. And it's sort of like you said earlier. When something goes against them, they, they're not talented enough. To come back from it. I mean, at 17-7, the game was pretty much over. Iowa's still a good team. They might only lose one more game this year. But number two team in the nation. At no point were that. So, no coffee with your corn uh, in Iowa. Now we got to talk about Tennessee. 
I want to say something. I want to say a couple of things. And I, and I think you're going to agree with me on all of this. One, I got no time for people who act like this is the first time th- stuff has ever been thrown on the field. Yeah. So annoying. Like, literally every fan base has an incident of throwing something on the field or the court. And especially the one that's upset. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to name names. Remember the high heels. I, 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 I don't want to name names, but it's just annoying. This is one of those things where, like, it's you know, the word class gets thrown around. Yeah, what an awful word that is. None of these fan bases have class. Yeah, everybody, Let's be honest. Everybody is one. They're like the Joker. You're just one bad day away from snapping. Yeah. Two. It's not a coincidence. That every time this happens, it is a result of piss poor officiating. No, nothing else is doing that. Nothing, no, nobody can we else, talk, can nobody we talk else about is having the fact- a riot because of a play call or a tackle or anything. It's because some idiot in stripes screwed up. Can we talk about the fact that every game Mark Curls is at, something this happens. happens. This happens. Not Not throwing trash on the field, but... A Ooh, controversial two, play. Two and listen, l- listen, the call they made that the fans were upset about mm-hmm. was correct. Oh, I thought he had the first down. I didn't think so. I because the ball was in his left arm and he stretched his right arm. He did, I thought he was. he still rolled over that line. Maybe, but it was close enough. There wasn't enough evidence they could overturn it. And I, I didn't have a problem with that call. The other the call. call that everybody's upset about was when Matt Corral fumbled and they ran it back for That's a touchdown. The game. That's the difference in the game. And once again... It's Mark, Mark Curls is at the center of it. His the crew. Fact that this guy continues to get. It's time to work. retire. It's time to stop. It's time the to SEC retire. The SEC has to stop giving him work. And I thought um, my friend Josh Pate, who's one of the great college football analysts right now for two four seven, he was at the game and he said he said it very well. I thought it's not excusing the behavior of the fans to suggest that the officiating's causing this yeah the officiating is infuriating these fan bases and you get a little liquor in these in these fans you get a little miller light from the concession stand some mustard apparently and things just go off the rails when when teams feel like they're getting screwed and that's in in a fan base's mind mind when they see things like that they feel like they're getting screwed uh and that that's what happens i mean i i'm not i'm not excusing that at all i thought it was disgusting i thought it was stupid from the fan base, but it wasn't surprising. It wasn't surprising that that happened um, when you got a, a fan base like Tennessee that is just trying to be relevant, trying to get back to, to some sort of relevance uh, as a fan base and as a team, and they felt like they were kind of on the cusp right there to get a big top 25 win, and they felt like it was taken away from them. I don't agree with them doing that, but that officiating crew has got to be done. You, you you got to watch. This is the third instance this year that that crew has screwed up a major call in the game. Yeah, this year. But I say all that to say this: Who brings a golf ball to a football game? Where'd the mustard come from? I can see the mustard. Somebody runs to the concession stand and grabs some mustard. Yeah, but when did, when have you seen that bottle of mustard at the concession stand? Oh, I don't. It's know. It's usually the the thing which you push down. No, you're not wrong. But I think I, I think somebody actually brought that to the game. Okay, that's fine. The golf ball is the one that gets me. Yeah, somebody's just toting around a golf ball. Somebody came straight from the links, had a driving range ball in their pocket, and flung it. Shout out to that guy, by the way. He was on target. Yeah, he actually hit Lane. That was a a heck of a throw. This might make some people mad, but 
it's almost impossible not to like Lane Kiffin. It's starting to get kind of hard. I mean, him, Odell Beckaming, that water <laughs> bottle. Just one. And by the way, Mississippi Highway Patrolman, what are you ducking for? You're supposed to be there to protect the guy. He protected them. It, I'll tell you what, you know who he protected? Whoever threw the bottle. Because if that had hit a cop, somebody would have got shot. He had some Shane Douglas ECW heat out there he last did. night. He did. It was fantastic. Every bit of it was fantastic. It's like he it's like he walked in there. Remember I Shane can't. Douglas won the NWA yeah. title? And threw it in the, the trash. Terry Funk, to everybody that's been before me, they can all kiss my butt. And threw the th- yeah. That's like Lane Kiffin last night. Everybody Bubble but Ray, Mr. Heat Neyland. Wave 99 <laughs> kind of heat. I mean, just Shawn Michaels in Montreal doesn't have that kind of heat. How about he tweeted out the... <laughs> The Bible the, verse? The quote from Ray Lewis today, which is a Bible verse. Yeah. No weapon formed against me shall he prosper. He also tweeted out the, the, the Costanza pulling <laughs> the golf ball out. I mean, <laughs> it's tough not to like the guy. I'll be glad when he's gone from Ole Miss so I can just go back to liking him. All righty then. <laughs> I can't wait for Sports Talk Mississippi today because Richard's on the sidelines. So we'll get a great uh, – we'll get, we'll get a first-person view. I've got to hear that. Yeah, don't miss that. I, I would imagine we'll lead the show with it. Um, to hear his thoughts on that. So, all right, guys, have a great Sunday evening, rest of your, and then a great Monday. Robbie and I will be back with you on Tuesday. We'll talk about Mike Leach's press conference. We'll do our SEC picks. Still one game up for me. Uh, and this is only like a four-game week, so very little chance of, uh, of any movement this week. But we'll see. We'll see. Plus a lot of other good stuff this week that we're working on, and we'll talk to you about it very soon. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.